Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin, and each week I turn to Scripture and our faith for wisdom and guidance in navigating our challenging and confusing world. This week, I'm going to talk about a topic that concerns all of us, authority. More specifically, who has the right to claim authority in our lives, and how our faith in Jesus Christ can provide us with ultimate authority. It's something you'll want to think about during this election year, when we will be choosing people to have authority bestowed upon them by virtue of their elected offices. I'll also be talking about how authority can be used to help cast out the demons that possess our society. We begin with a reading from the Gospel of Mark, where we find Jesus teaching in the synagogue. One of the things to keep in mind as we approach this story is that although Jesus was a practicing Jew, he was not officially a rabbi. So think about what or who gave him the authority to get up front of the synagogue and teach. We read in Mark 1, 21 through 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded by his teaching, for he taught as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, the demon, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching? With authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Here ends the reading. If you go to Capernaum today, which unfortunately we can't due to the tragic war and violence in that region, you could visit the ruins of the synagogue where Jesus did his teaching. In that archaeological site, you can almost see him standing there teaching. Although people other than the scribes and Pharisees getting up to speak in the synagogue was not unusual, Jesus did not have any official role there. But the people who hear him comment, he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. The scribes did have authority. They were educated in the traditions of Judaism. They were bound by these traditions. Jesus had a new kind of authority. Now, we recognize different kinds of authority in our world, in our lives. We recognize, for example, the authority of our elected officials. Through our electoral process, we bestow authority upon them. However, they do not have carte blanche to do anything they want. Their authority lies within the bounds of laws drawn up at various levels of government, from the Constitution down to local laws and ordinances. And if they step outside the bounds of their authority, it can be revoked, and they can potentially be sanctioned or punished. 
civil or legal authority, can also be distributed to lower levels. For example, police officers are authorized to enforce the law. Once again, their authority does not give them license to use indiscriminate force. Recent examples where the police have been prosecuted and even imprisoned for acting outside of the bounds of their authority is a good example. Authority always exists within boundaries that must be respected. We also bestow authority upon people with specific skills or knowledge. A college professor or even an elementary teacher have authority over the teacher students in their classes because of their professional training. Pastors who have been educated in seminaries and who have been called by God are given authority at their ordinations. That authority allows them to preach, teach, and administer the sacraments in their congregations. Those who are not ordained cannot do so. But there are bounds to that authority, too. The scribes, Pharisees, and priests of Jesus' day had a similar type of authority in the synagogue. They were bound by the rules and traditions of Judaism. They earned this authority by being educated in the Hebrew Scriptures. In the Roman period, they also were subject to Roman authorities, such as Pontius Pilate and Caesar. Authority exists in a hierarchy at many levels. But Jesus possessed a different type of authority from all of these. It was not a universally recognized authority. The religious and government leaders labeled him a rebel and a blasphemer. They challenged his authority because they were threatened by him. Their authority was challenged by him. Who did he think he was? Criticizing the religious and civil institutions. Now, as we know, it was his challenge to authority that got him arrested and crucified. But where did Jesus get this authority that he claimed? It appears that the people to whom he was preaching somehow sensed the authoritative nature of these teachings. His words and actions contained power and authority because they rang true. No one else had to approve what he was teaching. His authority was intrinsic, baked into his being. His authority was not of human origin. It was something higher. Jesus taught in the tradition of the prophets of Israel. The prophets did not have any external authority bestowed upon them. And like Jesus, their authority was challenged by the ruling powers. The, people, uh, the prophet Isaiah explains the source of his authority. In Isaiah 61, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Well, you can see the problem here, can't you? So, you have authority. Says who? Well, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. Now, anointing was a ceremony in which oil was poured over the head to indicate the investment of authority. So, you say it was the Spirit of the Lord who gives you authority. Where is this Spirit? Anybody could say the same thing. 
Well, for one thing, Jesus acting in authority brought blessings to people, health and healing. His authority possessed an irresistible power that drew people not through manipulations, but simply by the person that he was and the truth of his own existence and the gifts that he gave. This was not a claim to authority that was necessarily open to empirical verification. He didn't have a certificate with him. To many people of his time, it was anything but obvious that Jesus acted on God's authority. But looking back, we can see that his authority was truly from God. That's at the center of our faith. One of the things that was so unique and definitive about Jesus' authority was that he held authority over demons as well as people. In the story we read today, there was a man who had an unclean demon in the synagogue. The demons actually speak and acknowledge who Jesus is. They say, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus exercises the authority, and the demons come out of the man. And this amazes the people who are watching and reinforces with them that he bears the authority of God. You've heard a picture is worth a thousand words. In this case, an action is worth a thousand words. Now, we're at the beginning of a presidential election campaign and other national officials. We're about to decide upon whom to bestow authority of the presidency of the United States and our representatives. We can expect the candidates who are running for office to put forth their desperate appeals for us as to why they deserve our votes. Experience has taught us, however, that their appeals will largely be based on their own desire for self-aggrandizement and short-term games of power and popularity. We are realistic enough to know that the promises made in the upcoming months will soon be forgotten. How then do we discern who is the best candidate or the best candidates upon whom to bestow authority? First, like those people who listen to Jesus, we can trust our own hearts as well as our minds to determine that. There may be a candidate whose words ring true. Which among them will bring blessings and healing to our people, health and life? Who speaks to the benefits of others and not him or herself? This person will not rely on clever manipulation and political tricks, but on the truth revealed in their very character and existence. The real touchstone, touchstone as to the one who can exercise true authority, is the one who can exercise the demons of our nation and our world, of which there are many. The demons of which I am speaking are those that possess us as a community, as a nation, and as members of the human race. They are intent on destroying us, and we need to cast them out. How? First, we have to name and identify them. And then we have to pray to God for help and rely upon his guidance. 
Let's name some of the demons so as to recognize that they exist. The first one's a biggie. Unbelief. I think all the other demons spring from this one. This has nothing to do with what religious denomination you're part of. In fact, religious divisions carry their own demons. By unbelief, I mean talking about losing our faith in God, in the goodness of life, and our fellow human beings. The demon of unbelief moves us from trust and optimism to suspicion and pessimism. At home, it's manifest in our own political party system. We've developed a deep cynicism toward people who are of a different political leaning than we are. Everything that our opponent suggests is immediately suspect and challenged. We don't trust one another. And this leads to continued cycles of obstructionism, which keep us from accomplishing anything of substance. Instead of trusting God for help, we try to recruit God for a political ally. And we also lose sight of the fact that every human being is of value and has a right to pursue life and happiness. Faith is not only about religion, but the state of religion in our nation is an indicator of our unbelief. Never in our nation's history have religious institutions suffered from such neglect. Christian churches, for example, are in sharp decline. Pastors and priests do not wield the authority that they used to. We need to pray for God to renew that spirit among us. That is a personal challenge for each of us, for it is in our own hearts that the spirit resides. We need people in authority who will support us in our prayers and our personal faith journeys. There are a host of demons that spring forth from the fountainhead of unbelief. The demon of racism, the hatred and distrust of those of a different skin color from ourselves, roams America today. There's even a movement afoot to deny and ignore racism, even as our jails fill disproportionately with people of color, and economic opportunity is not available equally to all. Instead of issuing denials, authority will be evidenced in leaders who are willing to work together to admit and correct inequalities and heal the divisions that exist among us, not create new ones. Another related demon that we can name is xenophobia. Well, that foreign-sounding demon is simply the fear of others that are different from us. In our own situation, we see that demon roaming our borders as thousands of potential immigrants are flocking to our country seeking a better life. This demon dehumanizes people from other countries and gives us license to treat them all as criminals. This demon enters our hearts through fear and a legitimate desire for self-protection. And we can exercise this demon in ourselves by getting to know and appreciate people from other countries and cultures. The immigration crisis is not one that will be easily solved, but it will never be solved unless we identify the demonic forces that are at work in our midst. We need leaders who will wield moral authority 
instead of just legal authority. We will recognize this authority in them by the way that they express their humanity and compassion toward others, even while they try to make hard decisions and hammer out polities that will protect us, while at the same time recognize the dire needs of people from other countries. Another demon that we all see running rampant in our world is war. The ancient Greeks and Romans believed that war was caused by divine powers. The Greek god Ares and the Roman god Mars were the equivalent of the demons that I've just identified. This demon is especially hard to wor at work in Gaza and Ukraine. Tens of thousands of people are dying and suffering while we seem helpless to stop the killing. While we're fortunate that war has not invaded our own country, our national leadership has a responsibility to use our military and political might as best we can to exert global authority for peace. Akin to the demon of war is the demon of domestic violence at home and in our schools. This demon brings the violence of war up close and personal. This demon uses the breakdown of the family, epidemic mental illness, the portrayal of violence in media, including video games, the normalization of violence, and our infatuation with guns in our society. This demon can only be cast out when someone is willing to assert authority and make some unpopular choices on both a national and local level. We each must also purge the violent content of our own lives and souls. One demon that has been walking the earth since the beginning of time is the twin demon of sexism and sexual violence. These clever misogynistic demons have historically placed the responsibility for the perverse misuse of the human body back on women. It's a classical case of blaming the victim. Now, women have begun raising their voices against this demon, but they must be joined by men willing to share authority on this job in the home and in society in general. There are many more demons out there, but you get my point. Don't be fooled. The demons will put up a fight just as the demon in our story today cried out against Jesus. They are powerful and pervasive and will challenge our resolve. Let us pray that we have the will and the strength to exert authority to fight them. Praying is not a pious resignation to God's will or an ex exercise that puts our mind at ease, but rather that intensely personal struggle within each disciple and among us collectively, to resist despair and distractions that cause us to practice unbelief, to abandon or avoid the way of Jesus. In other words, it is the struggle to believe that change can really happen. It is a challenge to find and exert authority of God in Jesus Christ, trusting that a better world is possible. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. May God bless you and keep you. May the Spirit of God dwell in you and give you strength, power, and authority.